Hello. Hey. And welcome to another episode of a What Are You Reading? Woo! How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So just a reminder for our listeners, this is a podcast where we chat about books, what we're reading, what we have read, what we want to read, et al. <laughs> Before we jump into the podcast proper, I'd just like to take a little mini to acknowledge of the land on which we are recording from um, and combined that's the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and future and to any First Nations people that might be listening. Storytelling has been a part of this land for over 60,000 years and we're really excited to be talking about stories today. Great. So the theme of today's episode is fiction books from the Melbourne Writers Festival lineup. So we were looking at this lineup a little while ago and um, realised that between us we'd read a pretty good number of of books Um, and we decided to split it into two categories, so fiction and non-fiction. So strap in because today's episode is going to be some fiction numbers some of which we've both read some of which just Jess has read or just I've read so you're in for a treat and that's how I like it when we can discuss some of them together but then you get to tell me about some that I haven't read yet I think it's the perfect mix before we get into the books though quick little visual descriptions for anyone who's interested today we are over zoom again because we are still in lockdown And I am looking at Sarah. She is sitting in a a lit room, lit from above, yellow lighted room, yellow lit room. And she's wearing a rust colored jumper. Is this one of the jumpers that you knit? Unfortunately not. Take it off then. (laughs) (laughs) And she's. Okay. (laughs) Take it off. Different type of podcast. (laughs) And she's wearing a black Nike cap with head black, big black headphones and a little mic that comes out the side like a gamer girl. (laughs) And she's got her nice long brown hair tumbling down her shoulders. She has fair skin, a big smile on her face. And over her right shoulder, there is the same picture we discussed last time. Uh, which it looks like a a strange critter being chased by an even bigger strange critter. You can see a guitar. You can see maybe a mic in the background. You can see a tree out a window. And that's about everything I'm seeing in the shot today. This is my lockdown uniform. (laughs) Uh, This hat has been worn an embarrassing number of days in a row. And do you ever wash your caps? Because I was thinking about this the other day. I've been wearing my cap a lot as well, seeing as it's so difficult to wear sunnies whilst wearing a mask. And I feel like my cap gets really gross around my headline. Do you wash your cap? Yeah, this this one's really easy to wash. I actually just rinse it in the sink or the shower. Um, and it's kind of like a quick dry material. It's really thin. I've had this, I think, for about eight years or something. I just love oh, it. Um, sustainable fashion. Yeah, it's it's so great. It's just 
classic black cap. Um, but yeah, I don't know what kind of material it is, whether it's polyester or nylon or something, but yeah, it's just a, it's an easy sort of spot clean number. I imagine most caps are probably made of something similar for that reason, actually. So that's a good point. I just need to be less lazy and wash my disgusting, greasy cap (laughs) more. Speaking of caps, Jess is not wearing a cap today, but I will tell you what I see opposite me on this lovely Zoom afternoon. Um, So Jess is sitting in a room with uh, white cupboards behind her and to the right of her there's a um, a door that looks like it leads out to the the backyard or the patio um I know this is a fact that Jess is in her new house yay which we might discuss in a second um there's a a beautiful uh painting or looks like it's a framed autumn leaf you are spot on in it really you are spot on I can't believe you saw that wow it's in a um like a timber frame with a white background it just it's on a narrow part of the wall but it looks so good there I really like it and then in the foreground of course we have the radiant Jess wearing a khaki singlet with thick straps I love a thick strapped singlet Mm -hmm. gorge hair up in a bun with a scrunchie with some awesome looking black headphones and the cord dangling down and your gorgeous smiling face, little bit sun-kissed, and your beautiful pale skin showing on your arms. The story behind that leaf. So I had this empty frame at our old place because I had to take the picture that used to be in there out because someone that I no longer am on speaking terms with did it. But that's another story. And um, one day I came home and there was this leaf in it. And I asked James what that was about. And he said, oh, I, I, I got you this leaf as a memory of our first apartment. And I was really kind of like, cool, it's a, it's a leaf. And he was really offended. But anyway, that's a little oh. memento from our first house together. <laughs> I actually really like it. I love autumn. Um, in the last lockdown, my, I, had, I had a friend who doesn't live in Melbourne at the moment, but there was a, a moment in May where we were allowed to have five people at our house or something like that and it happened to be her birthday and I wanted to decorate in a an environmentally friendly way because we were having a bit of a cook-up and so I got autumn leaves off the street and I just wrote on them happy birthday Lozzie and blue tacked them to the wall and it looked really fun so I have fun feelings for autumn leaves that's such a nice idea I really like that I love my family does that at Christmas time actually my cousin will get really nice, um, already fallen off the trees, eucalyptus leaves and just write everyone's name on there as a little place setting. And I think that's a really sweet idea. That's gorgeous. I love that. I love also um, kind of reused Christmas wrapping. Yes. I often wrap in newspaper and um, a, a bit of a Pinterest wrapper and put a little stick or a um a leaf or or something in there as a decoration underneath a a bit of twine oh that's so nice I agree I always keep wrapping paper if I can and I just reuse it or if someone gives me a present in a bag I'll just keep that and re-gift it because yeah why not yeah totally and this has been your sustainability tips with Sarah and Jess (laughs) (laughs) tell us yours (laughs) 
Uh, we haven't caught up for a few weeks though. So what's been going on in your life in general? To be honest, not a huge amount. <laughs> um, I've been pretty, pretty uh, solid with my weekly routine just because I'm, I'm working four days a week and I work the same days every week. But I am so over it. I'm so over this lockdown. I think um, just for context for our Melbourne listeners, post-earthquake lockdown mood is just completely negative and fed up for me. So I'm just feeling really, really over it. Um, so, yeah, not, not a huge amount has been going on, although I did go for a walk with a friend yesterday which was really uplifting um and we kind of trekked on the merry creek uh, and it was a bit muddy and so we got like covered in mud and it was a bit of an adventure and we were scaling these little cliff edges and stuff so that was really a, a good highlight um yeah but day to day you know the the morale's a bit low at the moment yeah and do you feel like the post earthquake mood has shifted for you or do you mean in general you're feeling it and a generally less positive air about since the earthquake. I think I brought that up from, as you know, my personal opinion, but now that you ask that question, I think there's potential that it's a collective. I'm a bit of a sponge of a person. So I definitely feed off the energy that's going on around me. And obviously in lockdown, you are spending a lot of time on social media, um, absorbing some of the, the general mood of the, the people that I follow and my particular algorithm. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that feeling is maybe a bit collective. What about you? How are you going? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good on what you were just saying. We went to a farmer's market yesterday though, and we kind of commented as we were, we, cause we really made the effort this month to do our shopping list the day before the market was going to be on, which is just once a month and try and get all our veggies there which we're not good at doing, but we just wanted to make a bit of a conscious effort to do that. And so we were kind of going to all the stalls, getting all our veggies, and we really noticed that the stall holders were in really bad moods and it kind of made us a bit cranky as well. So, yeah, I would agree that that mood is kind of in the air for sure. Because we're getting so little social interaction with other people, every interaction counts. Yeah. But that aside, I have been pretty good. As you know, I've been in Melbourne Fringe World for the last probably two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, For anyone listening, Melbourne Fringe Festival launched digitally on Thursday and I have a digital event in in the festival this year, which has been really fun to create the last few weeks and launch and... Sarah very kindly watched a draft version and gave me some feedback along with a few other people. So she has an idea of what it's about. Um, but aside from that, I, yeah, I moved, James and I moved into our home that we own. Well, the bank owns, but we also kind of own. Uh, <laughs> the last, about a month ago, five weeks ago. So that's been amazing. I feel five weeks. Wow. As, that's just flown. By. I know, but having all of this space, I feel so lucky. And it's just, it's been such a game changer and it's felt like a fresh start in that I feel like I've been able to start new fresh routines and um, yeah, take care, have, I have more um, desire to take care of myself in a way, which I think just comes yeah. from getting to mix it up and have a new location. It just feels refreshing. 
Yeah. It's like a palate cleanser, right? Yeah. Home. Yeah, exactly. Whether you're renting or not, but I think extra, extraly enhanced. Mm, good English. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, on a, on another level when, when you own it as well. Yeah. It's such an achievement. Yeah. So overall I've been pretty good because my old place, I couldn't sleep very well because we were right on the highway and now that I'm in a quiet spot, my sleep quality is so much better that I need less sleep. So I just feel like everything has improved. That's so good. Yeah. And just for our listeners, can you please just give your show a little bit of a plug? What's it called? Where they can buy tickets? Wow. How they can support you? Of course I can. My show is called a JSMR, which is an ASMR and storytelling experience. So please listen and watch it with headphones in for the best experience. Uh, you can find it on the Melbourne Fringe website. I'm pretty sure it would be melbournefringe.com.au slash JSMR. Um, it's a 60 minute show. It is available on demand streaming, which means you can watch it anytime, anywhere until October 17th. And it is just me doing weird ASMR stuff, but also blending it with personal stories from my life. And it's, it's bizarre. It's kooky, but I've gotten some really lovely feedback on it and I had so much fun making it. So yeah, check it out. If it sounds like your cup of tea and tickets start from $10. And also I have $8 tickets for, um, that Fringe is calling it Mob Ticks, which is for any First Nations or Torres Strait Islander people who might want to buy a ticket. You can have $8 tickets. Amazing. That's a bargain too, I might add. 8 to $10 starting price. That's fantastic. And I have to say, I mean, I haven't seen the, um, the version as it stands yet. David and I are going to watch it this week. But um, the version that I did see was so entertaining, so I can tell you listeners that you'll be in for an absolute. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I have seen you typing on social media that you recommend watching it in bed, which is what I plan to do. Please do. I <laughs> yeah. I recommend you're <laughs> as comfortable as possible for this show. And even though you can, you should have headphones. I know some people have watched it with a partner or a friend and just synced up their AirPods or whatever um, intelligent people do with their headphones. So you can watch it with a friend or watch it alone for maximum experience, whatever floats your boat. Maybe we'll press play at the same time on two <laughs> devices with our individual headphones synced up to our device so we can have a co-watching experience individually. I love that. Yes. Great. Okay. <laughs> Done. Well, that's sorted then. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Perfect. <laughs> your life is a book this week do you have a dramatic climax that happened in your week or since we last spoke it wasn't my dramatic climax but it was I saw a dramatic climax of another living creature and I'd like to share it with you um so I went to click and collect some things from Kmart today because David and I are getting a dog (gasps) yay uh, and and we'll we'll get him soon, but we don't have him yet. But I saw a person standing um, in the car park near Kmart with a backpack on the front of their body, with a dog inside the backpack. It was like a little dog friendly backpack, and I just in that moment really, really, really wanted to be that dog. <laughs> and so I think that is the kind of hot dog energy that I'm going to be aiming for (laughs) for 
the week moving forward. I love that. I can see you putting your dog in a little backpack and maybe even giving it a matching beanie to your outfit or something like that. I really want to ride my bike with my dog. So I think yeah. that's the way I'm going to do it. In a little basket. <laughs> so cute. Ah, <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> no, I love it. What about your dramatic climax moment? Okay. Uh, I, I had a couple. These are more from last week, though, or the last couple of weeks. Um, number one, obviously, the earthquake. <laughs> Uh, yeah, good. One. Yeah, <laughs> we were lying in bed at the time, and I don't know if you had a similar experience. I'm sure a lot of people felt this, but I suddenly just thought the uh, washing machine was on because it just sounded and felt exactly like when the washing machine is at its peak. And and it, but this was fairly early in the morning, and I just yeah, I thought that suddenly I was inside the washing machine, and I've never felt an earthquake in my life, so that was pretty dramatic. Also, I got fully vaxxed last week, which was exciting. AZ for the win. Very good. And we didn't have any effects after our second dose. So that was really nice as well. Neither did I. So good. Yeah. I was a little bit sick after my first AZ, but happy camper after my second one. Yeah, so good, right? Um, But the most dramatic thing that happened to me last week was that I made a social worker cry on the phone. Oh, do tell <laughs> So I am not working at the moment, listeners, because I work in retail and that's obviously shut. And I had applied for a couple of performing arts uh, COVID relief grants and I hadn't heard back for quite a while. And I got this call out of the blue. I was expecting another call. So I picked up and it was a social worker from a government organisation, which I won't name just for uh, privacy reasons. And this poor sweet man was calling to say that unfortunately I didn't qualify for the grant because they take your partner's income into consideration. And this person really tried. They were saying, look, this is how how far away you are from the amount you would need to be not making income versus your expenses, et cetera. And he really tried to help me out, but I was nowhere nearby and I had been quite counting on that money. And I just started crying. And then this man started crying. Oh. And then, and he was going, I'm really sorry. And I was like, no, it's, it's obviously not your fault. I, and, but I was just feeling so, so defeated. And then he kind of, he had to hang up and he was like, okay, Jessica, I'm really sorry, bye. Oh. And I felt so bad. I actually sent him an email after, because he sent me one with like links to mental health support and, like other grants you can try. And so I just wrote back and I said, oh, I really hope I didn't upset you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I felt so bad. And I thought about him for like three days. Poor thing him, but also poor thing you. I'm so sorry. That is, uh, I don't know if we, we've sworn on previous episodes, I'm sure of it, but that's really fucked up that you can't get the support because your partner is earning enough. no. I disapprove of that and I think that support should be available for individuals because what what would happen if you decided that you wanted to leave tomorrow, you know, like it's unfair. This is what I always think and I get on one level that they're really just trying to give this money to the people that quote-unquote really need it will get kicked out of their house and starved to death if they don't get money tomorrow. But what about people that are in abusive relationships and their partner, usually the man, is is denying them access to that money or forcing them to do things to have access to that money so I just think it's really messed up 
And this happens, yeah. I have to report um, for Centrelink James's income every time as well. And sometimes it takes that into account. But it's like, that should have nothing. We're not married. We don't share bank accounts. That should have nothing to do with me. What if yeah. he was keeping that money away from me? Anyway. Or not sharing with you the what if he was telling you a you know a different amount? I don't think that James would do that, but no. I don't know him the way that you know him. So, you know, it's easy to speculate from the outside of a relationship. You never know what's going on behind closed doors. Exactly. I yeah, I luckily I am not in an abusive relationship, but I just think that the system is very much not set up to support people who are. Um, but the flip side of that is that this week I got an email from the other grant I applied for the live performance one, and they did approve me. So. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. It was a really nice feeling and it was such a relief. So yeah. Happy ending. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Cue cue the happy music that resolves at the end of the (laughs) rom-com. Roll credit to Sorry Social Worker. (laughs) Do you have an epigraph for your week or month? Yes. Yes, I do. She's pulling out a book. I love it. (laughs) Who cares? The future is coming. (laughs) (laughs) That delivery was amazing. Thanks. (laughs) What's that from? That's from The Inland Sea by Madeline Watts. Ooh, nice cover. I just recently finished reading. Yeah, cool. Well, I love it. (laughs) Well done. Yeah, me too. It feels accurate. (laughs) What about you? My epigraph for the week is, careful how you bear your soul, careful not to bear it all, which was said by Patti Smith. Oh, love Patti Smith. Yeah. That's great. That's beautiful. Yeah, I liked it. And Mm. do you have any acknowledgements to make? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So there's been a lot of birthdays, milestone birthdays in my family, this lockdown. And um, Friday was my stepdad's birthday. And um, I just want to shout, I don't think he listens to this podcast, but Rob, if you're listening, shout out to you. Best bloody stepdad in the world. I often think about him and get really emotional because he's such a beautiful man and I feel so lucky that I've got a great dad and then I've also got a really loving amazing caring stepdad too um and I know that not everybody is lucky enough to to have that so um yeah happy birthday to Rob and thanks for being um someone that I can always trust and call upon in a time of need happy birthday Rob that's so nice Mm. Shout out. I know that I acknowledged you last time, but listeners, Sarah is just such a good friend. I have to tell you what she did for me a few weeks ago. So I love a bit of a shop on Facebook Marketplace and I found this divine little marble uh, table and I saw that it was located near Sarah's house, which is nowhere near my house. And this is when we're in the five kilometre only radius. And I just messaged her and I said, would you pick this up for me? And she bloody went and did it. Like, who does that? So I just <laughs> want to acknowledge you for, as always, being such a cool friend. Um, and also I did want to acknowledge all of you, including you, 
and all of the other lovely ladies who did watch the preview of my show this week and give me feedback, which was really invaluable. So thank you so much to all of you. Just on that note, um, thanks for making art in a time when it's really hard to make art um, and for adapting what was originally going to be a live theatre performance into something online for us all to enjoy. Um, That's hard to do (laughs) and you've just gone and bloody done it and I'm so impressed and proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I didn't have anything else to do, so... (laughs) (laughs) except for make social workers cry but yeah that's just my side hustle so that's the (laughs) (laughs) warm-up should we get on to the yeah let's get on to the books um yours get 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 on the book get on the book train so as we already mentioned last month in september it was melbourne writers festival and they released this excellent list of books that were part of the festival in some way or another And between the two of us, we had read or were very keen to read a lot of the books. So we thought that we would talk about them because it is an excellent list. And today we are starting with the fiction list. So let's start with one that we've both read. Okay. I think this is probably the one we both read right at the start of the year, which is New Animal by Ella Baxter. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. This honestly feels like a bit of a distant memory to me. Um, I feel the same. So probably reflects my opinion of it <laughs> a little bit. Um, what did you think? Well, I think we've discussed this before, but and I think that we felt similarly, but I thought it was okay, but not amazing. It didn't, it didn't meet my expectations. I was really excited for this and it didn't meet my expectations. I agree with you. I was so hyped for it. And I think at the time I was really into um, the bookstagram corner of Instagram and really seeing a lot of really positive reviews. And I thought that it was going to be the most amazing thing I'd ever read. And I think that's a really dangerous (laughs) way to be starting a book Mm, because almost always your expectations aren't going to be met and mine weren't for this, um, which is disappointing. There's a lot to like about it, um, but it hasn't, I don't really sort of remember the ending and I'm not also in a hurry to pick it up again. I think like I am with some others. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point though, because I felt the same that I was seeing this book all over Instagram. I was seeing really great glowing reviews. The cover was really intriguing anyone out there you might have seen it's kind of a grass green background and then a cut open what fruit is it again it's a a fig fig, cut open fig so that straight away tells you so much about it and I thought yes I love this love green love sex love all of these things I'm seeing here but yeah I think it just didn't match the hype and I think it's also a tough time to be writing books with youngish female protagonists who are sexually free, maybe using sex and BDSM, things like that as a coping mechanism for grief or loss or trauma. I feel like that's been a real theme of the last few years. We see it in like normal people, lonely girl is a dangerous thing. But for me, this just didn't pull it off as well. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. I do always, always love a a female character who's 
open and comfortable with their sexuality. Agreed. I think that that is, um, is something that we can never see too much of. Um, Agreed. But this, yeah, I don't know. There were just some things in this book that left me feeling a little bit cold almost. And I think the, the main character, Amelia, um, sort of is a bit. Maybe, yeah. In some ways. Maybe that's what it is because, and so for context, she works at a, uh, not a morgue, it's like a. um, Like a mortuary. A mortuary, yeah. Mortuary. So they. She does the makeup on corpses. Yeah, which is such a cool setup and that's such an interesting setting. Uh, But then quite quickly someone close to her dies and it totally changes the um, through line of the book. Oh, and obviously she's someone who is detached from her feelings and that drives her actions, but maybe it's because she was so attached, uh, detached, but we never really felt her. We never got below that level with her that it it didn't really hit me too hard. Mm. I did find that, um, it was a really interesting commentary on grief um, and the way that knowing what Amelia is like before she loses this pivotal person in her family and the way she uh, kind of manages her grief or like I, I kind of feel like she, she it takes her a little while to start processing it and she seems to be almost numb or her behaviours are numbing her feelings so it's kind of very I don't know um surfacey yeah yeah it's viewed through her numb lens and so we don't Mm. then get to penetrate that and I also think that when the death happens which happens quite early on I think I felt like no wait because I was enjoying the storyline until then and what was happening so maybe I wanted Mm. more of that story as you say because we get to see her before the grief I think I we get that. to, yeah, we get to um, understand her world a little bit more before that world gets flipped upside down. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was all probably sounding really negative, but overall I thought it was still good, but just didn't totally wow me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the prose is really nice in some parts, like really um, beautifully written. I just don't love the plot yeah 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 totally but yeah as you said love a sexually liberated female character that's what we are all about so big win for that not not that it's the most important section of the book but um uh there is a a pretty hectic bdsm uh, sort of plot line um so if that's triggering for you maybe don't pick this one up um but I found that I, I got through that section very, very quickly. It was very page turning, very readable, yeah. but it was also horrific. Yeah, pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe I'm drawing lots of stuff like, ah, actually, <laughs> can't look away. Yeah, now that you're talking about it, more detail of that scene is coming back to me. And it's mm. like, yeah, it's quite graphic, actually. Mm, big time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I will read what Ella writes next. Um, I'm definitely not put off from her work. Um, yeah, don't always believe the hype. Yeah, and we should also say she's an Australian author, right? Because I that she yes. flies yep. down to Tassie in the book, so yep. yay for Aussie literature. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's set in Melbourne yeah. or Victoria. Yes, from memory. yes, maybe like rural or something. Yeah, feels like a long time ago that we read that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was released in either February or March this year, um, and I think both of us were onto it pretty quickly. Yeah, 
So what should we talk about next? Your pick. Why don't I tell you about a book that I really liked, um, which I don't think you've read yet. It's called 100 Days by Alice Palmer. Yes, I'm really keen. I don't know anything about this, but I want to know. So this is a really cute book. Um, I also love the cover of this book Um, and it's pink. It's got a sort of pink background um, with a yellow profile sort of face that appears female, got hair, got some birds, got some florals, red font, pinky ready font for the title. Anyway, to the book, to the plot. So this is a story about mothers and daughters for some reason, I'm just like so drawn to stories about mothers and daughters. Um, I was going to say this later, but I was, I feel like mothers and daughters has been the theme of the year book wise. Yeah. Right. I don't, Interesting. I don't know if that's just what I've been picking up, but almost every book I've been reading has been about the relationship between mothers and daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, for one, will always pick up a book where that is at the forefront of the the characters and the the plot and the theme and stuff. I just, I love it. I love, I love it. I love it. But with that said, this mother-daughter relationship is so very far from my experience. And for that reason, I found it really compelling and really interesting. It's like really far away from my world. It's set in Australia. um, It's 1980s, I believe. And our main protagonist's name is Karuna, who is a teenager. She's living with her parents at the beginning of the book. Her mum is from the Philippines and her dad is Australian. And, you know, they're they're like relatively happy. Um, And then the dad leaves. Thanks, dad. And then her mother and her have to move a house and they end up moving to um, a housing commission building on the 14th floor. And then she has to change schools. And then she, on her mother's recommendation, starts going to this tutoring session at a community centre near her home, meets this tutor there who happens to drive a silver car, offers her a ride home, and then all of a sudden she's pregnant. (laughs) So her life is like very um, limiting in that her mum puts a lot of rules and restrictions on her. Um, They share a bed. She's not allowed to sleep in her own room. Um, So pretty early on her mum discovers that she's pregnant um, and has a lot of thoughts and feelings about that. (laughs) Yeah, so Karuna, she's like so sweet and often addresses passages in the book to the daughter, the the baby growing in her belly and um, has a, to me, it's like a really endearing um, way for her to get her thoughts out. It's really sweet. And the way that she speaks to her daughter and the way that she is spoken to by her mother is polar opposite Mm. and really quite interesting um she's got quite limited agency and I kind of feel like this pregnancy in a way is a a way for her to rebel against the rules that Mm. her mum's putting on her um but it's kind of got everything this book like it's beautifully written it's really easy to read and again it's a really comfortable font size I know I've mentioned this in other episodes but I'm just showing Jess the open pages of it now and I just I hate a book where the font is too close together yeah I like to be able to yeah it should be easy to read like I don't care how fat a book is 
as long as the fonts are good size. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But um, there's, yeah, there's everything in this book. It's got hope, there's anticipation, there's obstacles to overcome, there's a little bit of claustrophobia, (laughs) there's codependency between the mother and the daughter, there's blackmail, there's poverty, there's these really like very questionable Filipino customs and and myths that the mother tries to um, put on Karuna and there's humor and ultimately reconciliation and survival it's beautiful Ah, highly recommend you've totally sold that to me I was uh, not really aware of what it was about but it hadn't struck out at me for any for no particular reason but now I really want to read that yeah I recommend it I reckon you'll like it Cool. It's it's kind of like kind of lighthearted, but kind of not at the same mm. time. It's got depth to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you. Cool. Well, speaking of babies and pregnancies, the next book I'd like to talk about is one that I'm pretty sure we've both read, and this is one of my favorite releases of the year. This is Small Joys of Real Life by Ali Richards. Yeah. I loved this book. So did I. Adored. Yeah. I read this after you read it because I saw that you had liked it. (laughs) Thanks for the recommendation. Pleasure. (laughs) I think I read it maybe two months ago. I follow Jacqueline Krupe, who works at Hill of Content and has published books for my aunt who recommended her to me. And she uh, always posts her reviews, posts really aesthetic, beautiful pictures of the books. And I think she shared a picture of this and whatever she wrote or said, I thought I must read that ASAP. And I did. And I loved this. It was set in Melbourne and had so many great Melbourne-based references that you don't get in every book set in Victoria and they were so specific to artists as well. Like there, were, there were a lot of Northside, Northcare, mm-hmm. Coburg references, but also the protagonist goes to see a show at Red Stitch Theatre, which was so fun. I, I loved mm-hmm. feeling like I had actually been to locations that she was talking about. That was such a treat, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, for anyone who wants a bit of plot context, this is a gorgeous fiction book about a young woman she's probably late 20s mid 20s I think think she's late 20s yeah and she finds out that she is pregnant to a young man who has just very recently killed himself trigger warning Uh, and I actually didn't read the back cover before I started reading this so in the first chapter because every second chapter she is addressing the man who's just killed himself and saying you did this when I first met you, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, oh, this is cool. I wonder where he is. And then I realised he killed himself pretty quickly. But the way that that was done was so beautiful. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, it was like a love story inverted. Yeah, like star-crossed lovers because you know right from the beginning that he's dead so there's no chance. And she has to. she debates whether she should even keep the baby because she barely knew the father and she's doesn't have that much support and she's doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life either she's kind of she is a very successful actor but doesn't want to be an actor anymore so that was also as an actor really cool to read about yeah I loved that part of the story I feel that really resonates with me at the moment as an actor 
or someone who acts but also does other things I think like oh yeah cool like you don't have to be doing it all the time or you don't have to be wanting to do it all the time I felt very seen and heard (laughs) and represented in that particular part of the storyline I also really loved following her um, grappling with telling people and when that happened and who she told and how she told them. Yeah. Um, I found that really interesting and, and sort of learning about why she was making those choices. Yeah. And the interesting kind of friendship she struck up with, I actually can't remember his name now, but the best friend of the guy that died that was a really interesting mm-hmm. dynamic that I didn't know where it was going until it went there. And I felt that way about a few of the friendships and relationships in the book. And even what the protagonist yeah. chose to do at all moments, I, I didn't really know. And there was kind of a love interest and that was also a very unpredictable storyline that I really enjoyed as well. Same. Um, I also really think that this book represents or or captures female friendship beautifully I love the friendship that she shares with her sort of two best friends I suppose um yeah there's their three besties they've they've all traveled to Melbourne together from Queensland but the friendships between the three of them are so flawed and so loving at the same time Mm. and I really love that 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 can coexist you can be a really good friend and also sometimes be less of a good friend. Yeah. Also sometimes have a, a big complaint about one of your best friends or something that's Absolutely. getting on your gears or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really loved that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just felt like this was really touching and poignant, but never got self-indulgent in the emotions or what could have been a really dramatic storyline. It was, as the title suggests, just about the small joys of real life. We never sat in the drama of it. And that's why when the emotion did sneak up on me right towards the end, it really caught me by surprise. And this was one of those books that I was reading at 2am and and crying silently. And I loved, (laughs) loved the ending as well. I just, I, I actually kept flipping the pages, hoping there was more and I'd missed it. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely loved this book. And also I um I tagged the author Ali in a little Instagram post and she wrote back and was like, thank you so much for reading. So yeah, she sounds like a really lovely, awesome gal. I love that. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, so nice. Next, I might tell you about Sugar Bean. Uh for any of our listeners who who are into books. <laughs> I imagine that's all of you, but we don't know that for sure. <laughs> um, this won the 2020 Booker Prize and rightly so because it is amazing and it's about this lovely, charming, gorgeous, precious child called Hugh or nicknamed Shuggy. I don't know if that's how you say it, Shuggy. <laughs> we'll go with Shuggy for the purpose of this retelling. Um, It's set in 1980s Glasgow and let me tell you, Glasgow is depressing (laughs) AF. (laughs) There's so much wrong with the Thatcher era of um, Mm. the UK and so much hardship and uh, like 
poverty, I suppose. Um, and this book captures that really well. There's kind of this general sense that the men are out of work and there's not a lot of industry and everyone's reaching to alcohol and drugs in order to cope with existence, essentially. Mm. Um, and Shuggy has dad, dad's a taxi driver. He's kind of comes and goes. He's not there all the time, but he has a really uh, amazing relationship with his mum, who is very troubled. Her name is Agnes and she's kind of traversing this really wayward path. And he's got a couple of siblings who around for a bit and, and eventually leave. I don't want to give it away because I really think that this is worth reading. Let me just very briefly describe the cover to you. You can see uh, in the foreground there's a a wood no it's not wood it's a metal pole like a like kind of like a light a light street light lamp without a light on it and a child sitting at the top of it who's climbed it. And in the background there's these towers of apartments that look not too dissimilar from from how I would picture sort of housing commission in Australia and it's black and white and it just looks pretty grim that visual is what I experienced reading Mm. this book it was so evocative and everything was so easy to picture um Douglas Stewart the author did a great job of painting those pictures really really strongly it's a it's a big boy like it's a 430 page book but was very 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 easy to get through great quite quite quickly I'm not sure what else I I want to say about it if you've read Mayflies also set in Scotland um it has kind of like a similar ish vibe but this one's probably a bit more bleak and kind of gives me a bit Billy Elliot vibes as well I was just thinking of Billy Elliot as my only reference point for like the UK in the 80s yeah yeah so picture that what you what we you know the visuals that you see when you watch that film but you don't you've got this amazing mother character Mm -hmm. who's a terrible mother but who's just an awesome character study on addiction and yeah somebody who just makes bad choices and has no control over their life Mm. oh it's so good it's actually I can't wait to read it again because I reckon it's the kind of book where on a second or third read you'll get all these little easter eggs and things that you missed the first time it's so good Mm, I can't wait to borrow it from you (laughs) (laughs) well shall I tell you about a book that I don't think you've read but I could be wrong which is the performance by Claire Thomas I have not read this. Oh. I do have a copy on my bookshelf though. So please do tell this me. This is another book that I actually didn't like so much. So okay. sorry to the author, but I loved the premise of it. Loved the premise. The The premise of this book, it's again set in Melbourne and it mm-hmm. follows the inner musings of three women, Margot, Ivy and Summer, as they sit and watch a production of Samuel Beckett's Happy Days inside a theatre in Melbourne while the bushfires of the summer of 2019-2020 are raging outside. So how good is that premise? premise. So exciting. I couldn't wait to pick this up. I loved everything about that. I loved the theatre aspect, the Samuel Beckett, the three women, the bushfires, loved all of that. Unfortunately for me, it just wasn't 
it didn't really grab me or capture me. I thought it was quite slow. It really was just this slow character study of these three women. And for me, they weren't unique enough from each other as well. So. Oh, it's disappointing. Yeah. Even though they were each 20 years apart. So you've got the youngish woman who works there as an usher and she's sitting in on the show, but also desperate to go and check her phone because her partner could potentially be in bushfire territory so that was my favorite that was really interesting and then there's a woman kind of a bit more middle-aged and then there's a slightly older woman and that there were some fun moments with the older character whose name I think was Margot because she's kind of the the classic how you picture an MTC subscriber you know (laughs) he goes to see every show is a bit more elderly maybe and and she even the inner monologue towards the beginning is that she you know she has a cough and she can't suppress her cough and she sees people looking around at her like shut up old lady and but she defiantly unwraps like a cough lolly and and like that was quite fun Uh, (laughs) and there was a really interest I've just remembered this actually there was a really interesting section in the middle where kind of at the interval of play Claire wrote a mini play in the middle of the book so the three characters meet in the the bathroom or the whatever you call it like the the washroom but at that it was written like a play so that allowed us to see them interacting in a way that we wouldn't have been able to because the rest of it was written from inside their their minds how interesting yeah so there was some really cool stuff going on and I do hope that if you read this you like it much more than I did uh and I love that the element of the play being in there that was kind of in tandem with what they were thinking and what was going on in the real world, this absurdity of this woman being buried up to her head in in the ground on stage at the same time in this male-female relationship. So there was a lot to like about it. Unfortunately for me, it just didn't really do it for me. <laughs> Noted. I'll report back yeah. um, as to how I get on with it. The premise just really captures me, though. Like you, it sounds so interesting. Yeah. So much potential. Yeah, and if you do read it, it is really easy to read. It's really easy to get through. It's not too long. It's big font. It's fairly short, uh, kind of medium-length chapters. So, yeah, if if it does appeal to you, please, please read it and see what you think. Amazing. Great. I'd like to move on to another book that I know that you adore. Um, that we've both read (laughs) I'm already just grinning (laughs) so just tell me what did you think of Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason I loved this book ah this was lent to me by either you or my friend Lauren and I think I read this right at the start of the year and on the cover I think there's someone quoting quoted saying that it's similar to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag which obviously is a great trap to lure me in with and I would say that that rings somewhat true and this is a book that follows a woman for quite a few years actually through her almost all of her 20s but a lot of flashbacks to her teenage years and again it's almost a love story in reverse because it starts with her saying that her marriage is over pretty much. And then we kind of work back to how it got that way. So the whole time you're thinking, no, they're such a beautiful couple. Why? Yeah. And I don't want to spoil anything that happens at the end, but you get the whole journey in reverse. And she is such a funny narrator. 
she is so kind of <laughs> her actions are really questionable at times but in a really hilarious British quirky entertaining way uh, I could I could keep talking what did you think full disclosure I actually listened to the audio version of this book and I listened to it at a time that wasn't great for me mental health wise and I think that has clouded my perception of this book a little bit mm. I enjoyed parts of it but I kind of stopped listening to it for a couple of weeks. So I feel like my reading of it is really disjointed. I would really like to pick up the physical copy and read that because I think that I will have a different experience than I had listening to it. I have to say, I do have to shout out the the narrator of the audiobook whose name is Hannah Monson, who's a, a beautiful, fantastic Melbourne actor. And she does a really great job. It just wasn't good timing for me listening to it. Yeah. But I I thought that it had some really important things to say about mental health and diagnosis. Agreed. And the way that the main character, Martha, sort of is before the diagnosis and then after the diagnosis, I think is very nice to see inside someone's brain who's going through that and coming to terms with that and processing it all kind of in real time. Yeah, I really enjoyed that arm of the story. Yeah, this book just was like a punch to the guts for me. I Mm. was very emotional reading the final section of it around the diagnosis. And for anyone who hasn't read it without spoiling it, the author does this really interesting thing where it's suggested to the character that she has this diagnosis, but the illness, instead of ever being named in the text, is just a blank space. And I think you told me in the audiobook, instead of saying the name of the illness, the reader just goes, mm-hmm, or something like that, just makes a bit of a noise, like a mumbled oh. noise. And that's really interesting. I I did also, as a reader, find that really frustrating, which I guess is also kind of a reflection of how in this day and age, we just always want to know. We always want the answers. We can't deal with not knowing things and uncertainty, but I really wanted to know what the illness was. And then, spoiler, so just fast forward for 30 seconds if you don't want to know this, but when I then learned at the end in the the author's notes that it was a fake illness, it wasn't even a real thing, I felt a little bit duped. Yeah, I'd forgotten that bit. Mm. I'd forgotten the, the the glitch in the audio and also that bit in the acknowledgements. That's interesting. Yeah, I know it wasn't the point, but I guess I just felt a little bit duped by that. Mm. Overall, though, I thought this was a really interesting exploration of undiagnosed, especially in women, mental health problems. Yeah. I think that's a really pervasive issue today all around the world and it just was so interesting. And also that kind of intergenerational pain that the parents had not wanted to acknowledge it in themselves and that how that played out for the children yes. was so devastating. Again, the relationship between mother and daughter, fascinating. Yes. Really, really revealing as to Martha's situation. And also the relationship between Martha and her husband, I think his name's Patrick. Patrick, yeah. I think that speaks to... The fact that on paper, something good, something can be fun, but there's that unsettling feeling inside that says that it's not fine and it can be really hard to articulate and identify and, and like take action on that. Mm. But I hadn't, I don't think I'd ever seen that kind of verbalized or, or put into a story 
in quite as as successful a way as this before because I think that's really true I feel that very much in my life in lockdown where nothing's wrong but a lot's not quite right and it's hard to pinpoint why that is yeah and I I really appreciate an adult romantic relationship being portrayed as it is in real life as not perfect and also seeing characters trying to work through that and James and I were talking about this the other day because I don't know if you've been watching Ted Lasso but the latest episode that dropped where Roy and Keely had that amazing conversation sitting opposite each other on the couch without spoiling anything. No spoilers. No spoilers, but they sit opposite each other on the couch and share some things that with each other that have happened to them both lately. And I thought that was such a beautiful, messy, icky scene. And I really don't want them to break up. And I was kind of saying after, oh, I hope that they're not taking the story that way because I really don't, I I love them so much as a couple. And then James said, I think actually they're just maybe portraying a real life couple who has to work through things. And sometimes it's icky, but they're just working through it and dealing with it like mature adults. And I love Mm. seeing that being portrayed a bit more. Yeah. That was a real segue away from the book, but. (laughs) But I think that's the power of this book is that, it draws us into other things. It has that capacity to make you think. And I think it, even though for me, it was like a bit of a weird experience reading this book, it had had me thinking about it long after I finished reading it. Yeah. Um, and I, I've read some other reviews on Goodreads and stuff. And I think that's kind of a collective opinion. So many people love this book. And I think a lot of that is also because it's just really funny. It's just really bloody mm. funny. And I appreciate that in the book. So even though it does deal with some heavier stuff, it is still very entertaining. So yeah. Yeah. And I think I yeah. think Meg is an Australian author as well, but she spent a lot of time living in England. I read her autobiography after this because I just I wanted to read anything she had written, which was honestly kind of average. I wouldn't highly recommend it. But yeah. Sorrow and Bliss, absolutely loved. Not to get on the hype wagon, but a good read. Would recommend. Would recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Believe the hype. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got another book to tell you about, which is Love Objects by Emily Maguire. Great. I've been eyeing this one off. Mm. Tell me everything. Mm -hmm. So I listened to this, uh, which, as you were just saying, I I feel like I always do a little bit of a disservice to a book by listening to it because I, I miss a lot of it. And I think I would have enjoyed this more if I'd read it. So I would recommend reading this one because I did not like the narrator, unfortunately, in this occasion. Sorry, sorry, dear narrator. You did a good job, but it just wasn't for me. So Love Objects explores some really cool stuff though. It follows Nick, who is in her forties and she's a hoarder. And she has a really close relationship with her niece, Lena. So we've got this split narrative between Nick and Lena. And uh, Nick's storyline is really about her mental health and hoarding tendencies. And because her house is so full of junk, she has an accident and can't get up and hurts herself and ends up in hospital. Whoa. Which leads to her niece, Lena, having to come and clean out the house, which brings up a lot of trauma and no one in Nick's family knew that she was a hoarder. So that is brought out into the open. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. 
But in the meantime, Lena, who's in uni, I think this one is set in New South Wales around Sydney. So Lena gets involved in a, I guess I should say sex crime in that this pretty much is one of the first things that happens in the book. So not too spoilery, but she has consensual sex with a popular cool boy and then he secretly films it and puts it on the internet. So she gets caught up in this horrible crime against her. My jaw is dropped. That's horrific. Yeah, it is. And so the book is, I guess, exploring in really unique ways violations against your own body and your personal space, which for Nick is really represented by her house and that she can't bear the thought of someone throwing out her things. She cannot bear it. And then Lena has had this violation of her body and her privacy. So it was exploring really interesting stuff. I definitely, as I said, recommend reading it because listening to it, I didn't love this book, but I think it's definitely worth checking out. Where it got more interesting is that about halfway through, it then introduced a third narrator who was Lena's brother, Will, who has just been released from prison. So I, I really enjoyed Will's character and I had so much empathy for what was going on for him. And it was a really interesting exploration of class, but because it was such a story about women and the relationships between women and what happens to women. I also felt I I questioned the inclusion of him as a narrator. Why that was needed. Yeah. And it kind of, it allowed us to see things slightly differently. And he became obviously very involved in both of their storylines and really tried to help his sister out. But I kind of, I guess I felt like, oh, why are you here? But that said, I, I, I felt so much empathy for him and he reminded me of my own cousins and stuff. So a lot to like in this book. Some really interesting stuff going on in there. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. But I think I would take your advice when reading this one and, and pick up a, a physical copy of it. it. Sounds like the kind of thing you might like to sort of digest. You know, sometimes you read a book and you you might want to sit there and read it for a while, but then you get to the end of a chapter and you're like, hang on, I just need to sit and process this for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it might have that effect on, on a reader. Yeah, totally. And I, I always feel this way when I listen to a book. So I do try to be careful with what I listen to because often, and which will often for me be nonfiction because I find that easier to take in. Whereas a fiction, I find I miss too much and I feel like I haven't given the book a fair, a fair go. (laughs) <laughs> all, books, all books deserve a fair go <laughs> well thanks for sharing that's really interesting mm. love objects I have to say I love the cover it's really beautiful cover that one yeah it's kind of this really floral wallpaper and then if you look closer you can see that there's a woman wearing matching matching print and she's kind of embedded in the wall or she's camouflaging into it so that tells you a lot already mm. She's a hoarder. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> and again, a really interesting relationship, this time between kind of a replacement mother and the mother is also in the book, but the daughter's just not as close to her mum. So the, the aunt is kind of a replacement mother. So, yeah, continuing that theme as well. Mm, how very interesting. So I think we've got one last book to talk about today that we have both read, which was Assembly by Natasha Brown. 
great book. What did you think? Did you like it? I did. I loved it. This is another favorite for me this year. Super easy read. It's only a hundred pages long. So read it in yeah. one set sitting if you can. It's really easy to just devour. For that reason, though, mm-hmm. I also feel like even though I read it quite recently, I've already forgotten half of it because, you know, when you read something so short and so quickly, it's already kind of yeah. gone. Yeah, I actually completely agree with you. I remember some of the key kind of things that happened. But I also sort of think that the blurb on the back of the book has sort of solidified that in my brain a little bit. Mm. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was so good. And like you said, super easy to read. I did not read it in one sitting, but it was probably a day or two or something that I got it done in and yeah, really enjoyed it. There's a lot in it actually. It kind of packs a punch and, and squeezes a lot of kind of commentary and social issues into one short powerful story a bit of plot context it is narrated by a black woman who lives in England who is going to her partner her white boyfriend's rich family's estate for like a garden party a garden party or someone's birthday I think it's his parents his parents anniversary anniversary yes and it just kind of follows her over the course of I think it starts maybe the day before the party and it follows her journey She finishes up work, takes the train, goes to the party. And yeah, it's a great commentary on class, race, and it's kind of um, insidious. And it is, yeah. And um, it makes you feel icky in a lot of places. Yeah. And it's quite stream of consciousness style. It has some really short little paragraphs and then it totally jumps to something different. And again, so witty, so funny so intriguing and quirky but then just comes out of nowhere and really kind of hits you with this obscene level of of ickiness yeah and I feel like it traverses really effectively or just smoothly from the workplace to the personal life and it it doesn't feel like there's any grand transition it's just like all of a sudden you're here and we're in this different environment engaging with these different people yeah really interesting the, the workplace moments almost for me are the most memorable because that was so uncomfortable and I really felt sorry for the main character whose name I can't remember. Do we? I don't think we name? ever, I, I sat in on a, an interview with the author Natasha Brown for the Writers' Fest actually and I think yeah. she chose not to give her a name so that she was a bit of an every woman kind of thing. Every woman. Yeah. Yeah. But just the, the, the way that her male colleagues speak to her about in relation to her getting a promotion is quite gross. And, you know, she's clearly in a working in an industry that's predominantly male and predominantly white and, they know that and they make sure that she knows that they know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they realise what saying to her is horrible. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. I, I really feel like I need to read this again and would very happily read it again to take it in because a lot of it is feeling hazy in my memory. But I really enjoyed this, really recommend it. So much fun, such a wild ride, but had some really important things to say as well. Yes. Yeah. I read the physical copy. I don't know how I'd feel about the audio version of this, but pick it up again. Yeah. I think I saw that the audio version only goes for about two hours, two and something hours. So if you've got a long car trip or 
going to work, going home from work. Yeah, maybe just pop it on to listen to it and you could get it done pretty quickly. Yeah, true. That's a good point. Have you ever read a book in physical copy and had the audio version playing while you were reading it? Ah, as in at the same time? At the same time, yeah. Because I reckon that could be an interesting way to consume this book. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I, I would, I'd quite like to hear a voice telling me this story as well. So even though I have a physical copy, I might still get the audio version of this one. Yeah. I like that. I haven't done that before. I have, I think I was listening to Boys Follows Universe, but also had your physical copy and sometimes would listen to it and then try to find my place in the book, which was so hard and not worth the time yep. but I because I really <laughs> I liked that. that book I wanted to read read it but then I was yep. got really invested and then wanted to also be listening to it while I was driving wouldn't recommend doing that <laughs> I am really gutted that I haven't been able to see the production of it at QPAC yeah. um, if we have any listeners in Queensland who saw it or I think it might be finished by the time this airs, but please let us know because I have so much FOMO. I really loved that book and just think it would translate so well into a stage. Hopefully they tour it or maybe film it so we could watch it. True. Please please do either of those things. So that completes our list of books for you today, but I'm also wondering what are you reading at the moment? I'm reading Sally Rooney's new book. Yes. yeah, that's what I'm, I'm halfway through that. Which we will. Oh, and I've got an audio book. We'll, yeah, we'll talk about that. I yeah, to date. I think we'll give a bit more of an in-depth discussion um, of Beautiful World, Where Are You next time? Because I'm very keen to discuss. And what's your audio book? My audio book is, it's called Beloved by Toni Morrison. I'm regretting doing the audio version. Um, <laughs> Damn. Because T- Toni Morrison narrates it and the voice is just insane but it's so low and I often listen to audiobooks when I'm out and about going for my walk or whatever and I live on a busy road so as soon as there's other noise I can't hear very well so so yeah it is annoying (laughs) so while it's nice to listen to and you know would put you to sleep beautifully it's not the most practical for an an outside audiobook (laughs) What about you? What have you got on the go at the moment? Okay, I started The Yield, which I know you loved. Yes. It hasn't grabbed me yet, though. Is it a bit of a slow burn? Because I'm about 100 pages in and I'm really determined to finish it because I've heard such good things. But it hasn't grabbed me. I would say stick with it. How many pages is it? About 300? Yeah, about about 300. So I will definitely stick with it. Maybe I'm not in the right headspace because I've been really distracted. Maybe I maybe it's one of those books that you do really need to focus on, but yeah. For me, there's a payoff with that book. So okay. maybe it's just in the setup phase and the payoff's gonna come okay. later for you. I would say stick with it just a little bit longer. Okay, cool. And yeah. um because I felt like I wasn't jamming with that at the moment yesterday, I also started everyone in this room will someday be dead. Oh, I have that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't started it yet. Yeah. It's it's a good, I think, palate cleanser if you feel a bit like Oh, I just need something a bit kind of easier to power through and a bit funny. I mean, it's, it's I guess, similar to Sorrow and Bliss or Eleanor Oliphant. That's the kind of vibe the protagonist is a young woman Cute. who's 
very anxious about everything and a bit of a hypochondriac and very terrified of death all around her. I'm only about yep. 70 pages in, but it's, yeah, it's really easy to read and it's, it's quite funny and a bit more lighthearted. Oh, cute. And I'm listening to See What You Made Me Do by Jess Hill, which oh. I'm kind of really spreading out because obviously it's pretty sub- heavy subject matter. Yeah, so yeah. I don't always feel like listening to yeah. it. Yeah, such an important read though. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that we might be talking about that book in the next episode since it was a nonfiction yes. on the Melbourne Writers' Festival book list. I can't wait to unpack that book with you. <laughs> oh, I have so many good books to read and I just feel like I can't read them quickly enough because I know that I'm going to really enjoy all the ones that are sitting there waiting to be read, which is such a lovely feeling. I feel the same. The silver lining of lockdown for me is being able to read and have time to read. So It's very challenging though, having an addiction to buying books because books don't stop being released and I want to continue to support new authors, particularly Australian authors, particularly, particularly Melbourne authors. And so when I'm seeing these new releases, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I really want to buy it. I'm like, oh, but I've got like 20 books yeah. that I really want to read that I'm not going to yeah. get too quickly. I know. And sometimes I worry that if I have a book here for too long and I don't pick it up, I'm never yeah. going to pick it up. And it's a bit of a, it's a bit of the hype train thing, isn't it? That you see a book everywhere and it's getting amazing reviews and you just, it's a bit of a FOMO hype thing of, I, yeah. I must read this now but it's going to be there later, but I just, I want to read it now. And do you have any TV shows to recommend? Well, Ted Lasso, as we've already mentioned this episode, I've only got one episode left of that and I just love it. It's so good for something completely different. I also really have enjoyed watching Vigil on Binge. If you have Binge, I highly recommend it. It's a bit of a thriller, a bit of a crime sort of situation. Interestingly, in the Australian political climate, it's set on a submarine. Ooh. So it's kind of, you know, on on <laughs> brand. Uh, I don't know if it's a nuclear sub or not. And also David and I watched recently the recorded musical come from oh, away yeah. which you saw here as well right you got a comp for that yeah yes I saw that my amazing friend Mark had a spare ticket and brought me along we saw the preview of it in Melbourne a couple of years ago now and it it's so good it was it's not quite the same as, as seeing it live but I highly mm. recommend it the the film production is really epic do yourself a favor Get Disney, get a little <laughs> trial, seven day trial or whatever, um, if you don't have it already, and and watch. Make that the one thing you watch. Any other recommendations for we TV? Just, we just watched Squid Game, which was excellent. It definitely Ooh, okay. won't be everyone's cup of tea because it's really dark and it's really violent. But it's just another Korean masterpiece. Korean cinema and television is just so good at commenting on class in really unique ways and this is kind of a bit of a mix of the hunger games and rat race and so many other things like battle royale and also reminds me of parasite because it's really dealing with these really downtrodden people who again have addiction issues and they get invited into this game and i won't say anything else but if you're up for it, definitely check it out. It's so much fun and it's so moving and heartbreaking and really exhilarating. 
and it's just yeah it's got so many good ingredients to it so that's a recommendation we've been watching a lot of movies lately we watched nine to five the other night which if you've never seen I think I have. Can you can you give me a Okay, so the reason I wanted to watch this is because I actually confused it with another movie, which is Working Girl, and I had never seen that and wanted to watch that. Anyway. I've seen Working Girl. That's the one I'm thinking right. of. Right. So 9 to 5, which is also available on the Disney Channel app. Yep. It stars Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlins, and Jane Fonda. How fun. Yep. And they all work for, it's kind of the original Horrible Bosses. They all work for this really misogynistic, sexist, dickhead man and this is in what 1980 or something so it's a really sexist workplace already but the movie just becomes ridiculous and they all kind of become friends and fantasize about how they want to kill him then think they actually have killed him and it's this really absurd farcical hilarious kind of wholesome like romp of a film so yeah would recommend I'm just looking at some pictures as we speak um, it's amazing the hair yeah the fashion the, fashion, the outfits was beautiful oh, I love it oh, Dolly Parton's dress she wears when she first enters amazing I actually want to google it and see if I can find it because it's so gorgeous and I also watched on Stan a show called Made for Love which stars Kristen Milioti who is awesome and Ray Romano as her father the show wasn't a home run but it was kind of an interesting if you liked Upload, that Amazon Prime show, or if you liked, it has some kind of black mirror but tackles it in a much lighter way, kind of a techie element. She has kind of been kidnapped by this man who's a bit like the Elon Musk of this fictional world who's huh. kind of like put a, a chip in her head to kind of control her for the last 10 years and she escapes. So there's a lot of interesting stuff about consent going on in that show. That sounds really fascinating. I haven't heard of it. Well, that's probably about enough for one night. That's about as much as I can handle right now. So, <laughs> it's dinner time. It's dinner time. We're hungry. We're hungry girls. <laughs> got to go. Got to go and watch the final ep of Ted Lasso <gasps> and eat some dinner. Oh, you do that. Enjoy. And as always, let us know if you liked any of the books we chatted about or if you've got any recommendations and we'll be back soon with some more. Yes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.